Today, I want to talk to you about how your life really does matter. Your life matters. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, God says that you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. God doesn't create just ordinary people. He creates you to be extraordinary. God doesn't create an average or under par person. He creates you to be an absolute history maker, one who will change the world and create history. God does not make mistakes. You are not just one of the 7 billion people in this world. God has created you with value, significance, and purpose, and he has designed you uniquely for some God-given task here in this earth. In Psalm 139, verse 14, King David said these words, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My question is, can you talk like that about yourself? Or do you think thoughts like, you know, I just am so ugly. I'm so overweight. I'm so this or I'm so that. How do you speak to yourself? How do you talk to yourself? What are the thoughts that are going on inside of your mind? Because if you're saying anything other than what King David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you're on the wrong path. God wants you to think the right thoughts. Why? Because he created you. And he does not create mistakes. You may not like what you see right now at the moment, but if you will begin to see what God sees in you, God will build inside of you an image that's on the inside of him that he sees in each and every one of us. God wants you to know today that your life really does matter. Today, he brings a message to the heart of someone who's been thinking about throwing in the towel, who's been thinking about quitting. And he has delivered this message specifically and precisely to you because he's saying, don't quit, don't throw in the towel. Your best days are still ahead of you. It's not behind you. It's what's ahead of you that really matters and what counts in God's eyes. Think about this with me for a moment. There was a friend of mine that went to visit a friend of his, and uh, he was walking through his house, and this house was filled with just beautiful, abstract, modern art. Uh, But to him, he looked like, it just looked like paintings, like some child threw paint all over it. But one of his, you know, his friend came up to him, and he started talking to him about a specific painting. He said, that's an original Pablo Picasso painting. It's worth over a million dollars, just that one painting. And this friend of mine, he just he looked a little bit closer at that picture, and he said, wow, that really is beautiful. That's a beautiful picture. But at first, his original thought was, man, it looks like a child painted this, threw some paint on it. But once he found out who the painter was, that it was an original Picasso, then he began to see the value and the significance of that painting. God wants you to understand you may not like what you see on the outside today. But God created you, and because his fingerprints are all over you, you are valuable, and you are significant, and you are important. And when you knock yourself, you are knocking your creator who painted you, who calls you his masterpiece. On the back of some of your t-shirts today, There might be a little tag that says made in China or made in America. But somewhere spiritually on you, there's a tag that says made by Almighty God. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. All that really matters is what God thinks about you. You know, if you think I'm average, I'm ordinary, I'm under par, I'm not talented, 
Once again, you're knocking our creator. But God says, you're not average. You're not ordinary. You're not just one of the 7 billion people in this world. You are my masterpiece. And I created you with uniqueness, with precision, and with excellence. And he did not make a mistake when he made you. Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. We're to do this. And then to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the greatest command. But how can you love your neighbor if you haven't learned to receive love for yourself? That's why the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 that we would come to know the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of God's love. Because the more we comprehend the fuller picture of God's love, the four faces of God's love, his protective side, his giving side, you know what I'm saying? When we begin to see a fuller image of God and his love for us, it begins to change who we are on the inside. And that's where it all begins because all success in life begins on the inside. And when you begin to see yourself as a victor and not a victim, that you see yourself as extraordinary and not just ordinary. And when you begin to see yourself above average, not average. When you begin to see yourself as anointed, appointed, qualified, accepted. I'm telling you, something begins to change on the inside of you. And that's what God wants to do on the inside of you. He wants to put this image of what he sees in you. Listen, Jesus said it best. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we get an image of how good our Father is through the life and demonstration of Jesus Christ. But on the flip side, God gave you Jesus so you could see the image that God sees in you through his son, Jesus Christ. And when you begin to see yourself as a world overcomer because Jesus has overcome it for you, then things begin to change on the inside. God says in his word that you are perfected in Jesus Christ. You are perfect. (laughs) Stop calling yourself, I'm not perfect. Because in Christ Jesus, you are perfect. You're not a mess. You are a message. God has a demonstration of his power and his glory and his love that will be demonstrated through you if you will learn to open up and receive the image that he sees in you. In other words, we've got to put the image that God says about you on the inside of us. And then and only then... Will your life rise up to become everything God has called you to to be? Your life matters. And he wants you to understand that your life truly does matter. You are significant. You know, I was thinking about a friend of mine that was sitting on a beach in India one day. And it was in the evening. The sunset was setting. It was the most beautiful sunset on the horizon. It was just the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. And he said, if you looked from to the left to the right, he said, you could see beach and palm trees as far as you could see. And he was sitting there just thinking about what an amazing, magnificent sight this is to see. The water was crystal blue. And he began to do some self-reflection. And all of a sudden, he heard the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about all loud, but he heard this impression on the inside. And he heard the words of God say, you like what you see, do you? And he said, yes, Father, it's magnificent. It's magnificent. And the Lord responded to him and said, do you know what my most prized possession, painting, creation that I've ever made is? And he shot back the words to him and he said, it must be the sunset because he had just never seen such a beautiful view before. 
And he said, no, it's not that. And then he thought for a moment, he had just been to the Rocky Mountains uh, that year. And so he said, it must be the Rocky Mountains. And he said, no, it's not that either. And so he's thinking in his mind, maybe it's the solar system or the Milky Way. And he heard the Holy Spirit once again say, no, it's not that. He said, my most prized possession, my most amazing masterpiece is you. And he thought to himself, who, me? I'm just ordinary. I'm just average. I'm just one of the seven million people in this world. And he said, you don't understand. He said, those things that you mentioned when I created them, yes, it's good. But when I created you, I breathed my life into you, and I made you in my very own image. Do you know this kind of love today? That you are God's masterpiece. That you are far higher of a possession in God's eyes than the most beautiful sunset that you've ever seen. The most beautiful Rocky Mountains or view that you've ever seen. The solar system, the Milky Way. There is nothing that God says is a higher prized possession than you. God loves you and he wants you to know your life matters. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, because I know there's always this rebuttal, like, I've made too many mistakes. How could God love me? But God says this in his word. As he is, as God is, as Christ is, in all of his glory, so are you in this world. In other words, the same way that God looks at Jesus right now, the way that Jesus is experiencing all of his glory right now in the kingdom of God, in heaven itself, is the exact same way God sees you in this world perfected in Christ Jesus. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make plenty of mistakes. But God is the author and finisher of your faith. And what he has begun in you in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he will finish it and he will complete it to the end. And when you begin to get a revelation that your life really does matter in God's eyes, you will begin to change from the inside out. And like I said, everything happens from the inside out first. The day you begin to see yourself as valuable, the day you begin to see yourself as significant, not based upon what you've done right or wrong, but based upon what he has done right. And the work that he is doing doing in you, he will complete it and finish it. But the day you begin to realize that it's not performance love, it's unconditional love that God has given you, then and only then will you rise to the destination that God has called and created you to be. Think of it this way. Sometimes people think, well, if you just knew, Pastor, all the horrible things I've done, all the bad things I've said, I'm going to stop you for a moment. I'm going to ask you to think about Peter. Remember, go back with me in history for a moment. Think about when Peter, Jesus is now led, and he's about to be crucified. And Jesus had forewarned Peter and said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He knew one of his best friends was going to deny him when Jesus needed a best friend at the most. And here is Peter, and sure enough, he denies that he knows Jesus Christ. When Jesus is about to be crucified, Jesus looks at Peter when the rooster crows, and he recognizes that was the third time, Peter. You just denied me three times. Not one of you in this room have denied Jesus at the point of the cross or the crucifixion. That was the last look that Peter saw Jesus looking him into the eyes, knowing he just denied him three times. 
when Jesus needed his best friend at the very most pinnacle moment in his life where he really needed a best friend, Peter denies him. Peter, think about it. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. Think about what Peter must have gone through. I'm not talking about even what Jesus went through. I'm talking about now Peter just denied the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He just denied his best friend. He just denied that he even knew Jesus Christ because he was too concerned about his own skin and what people thought of him. Think about that. The fact is, is that he saw his Savior die on that cross. And that was the last thought he had is, I just denied Jesus Christ. I can only imagine that Peter at that very moment in his life thought to himself, God could never love me. God could never forgive me. God could never use my life. But do you know what happens is that God doesn't love you less when you mess up. In fact, if anything, he loves you more. He turns up the intensity because when Jesus died on that cross and he was buried. Three days later, Jesus decides, I'm going to turn up the intensity. Even though, Peter, you turned your back on me, I'm going to show you I'm not turning my back on you. If anything, I'm running to you. So he sends messengers. He sends angels. And there's several women that show up at the tomb where Jesus had been buried. And they're talking to these angels. The angels are like, listen, I want you right now to go and tell all the disciples and Peter. In other words, I'm not eliminating Peter, even though he denied me. Even though Peter turned his back on me, I am not turning my back on Peter. I want you to go tell all the disciples and Peter that I'm alive and I'm coming to see them. Can you imagine getting that word? The angels of the Lord told us, Peter, that you really do matter and you're significant. Jesus wanted you to personally know he's alive and he's coming to see you. Can you imagine what that would have done to Peter? Because what did God do? He didn't love him less. He turned up the intensity. He loved him more. He sent messengers to reach Peter at that very moment. So when you mess up, don't think God is going to love you less. If anything, he's going to turn up the intensity and he's going to love you more. He's going to send people through your path to encourage you, to build you up, to let you know you've got what it takes in him. Right after that, Peter goes and preaches that Jesus is alive. He is alive. He is alive. He is alive. And did you know the greatest and the first revival in history took place? Over 3,000 people repented and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Right after Peter had totally messed up, but then he got this word that he really does matter in God's eyes. Something put a spring in his step. He went out under the anointing of God Almighty and he preached and a great revival began to take place. In another moment, he preached another 5,000 came to Christ. He was a major blessing, a world changer, and he went down in history being known as the Apostle Peter. But what God can do with nobodies is he can turn them into a somebody. What he can do with a mess is he can turn it into a message. And that's what God wants you to understand is that your life really does matter. It still does matter, no matter what you've done, right or wrong. God still loves you, and he cares about you, and he's got a bright future ahead of you. And it's never been based. Never once has God ever, ever based his love on performance love. If you do this, then yes, I'll, I'll uh, love you a little bit more. 
I will love you with an unconditional love. No matter if you turn your back on me, I'm going to keep loving you. You can't stop him from loving because he loves, and that's who he is. He's not just a way that we get love. He is love himself, the apostle John said. And you can't change that fact about him no matter what you do, right or wrong. And no matter where you're at today, God says your life still matters. And if you will yield your life to him, you will become a history maker and a world changer, just like the Apostle Peter. I'm not saying you're going to do the exact same things the Apostle Peter did, but God will take your life and use it and make you a significant world changer. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says that faith works through love. So when you come to know and understand that God is love and that God loves you no matter right from wrong what you did in your life, that God loves you with an unconditional love, not in a performance love, but an unconditional love, faith will ignite on the inside of you because faith is what works through love. And when you know how much God loves you and how much your life really does matter in his eyes, then faith ignites and becomes a world overcomer. He is the author and finisher of your faith. And when you aim for the sun, the son of God, you will land with the stars. Here's the key, though. When you see what God sees in you, it makes it easier to rise higher. I remember a number of years ago when I graduated from Oral Roberts University, I kind of just was having some fellowship time with the Lord. And, and I just finished up, and my degree was as a local church pastor, but I had no thoughts of going in that direction. I thought it was just coincidence that that's the degree that it fell into. It seemed like the easiest program to work out with my schedule and my time and everything else. And I just had no idea what he was about to say. So when I finished up at college there, I said to him, Lord, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? And he said these words, I've called you to be a pastor. Now, many of you remember the story, but I literally cried. I cried because I could not see myself as a pastor. I could not see myself doing what I'm doing today. It was the furthest thing from my mind, and so I cried thinking, is there somebody else in the room you're talking about right now? Because I can't see myself being that. And then the other thing I said on top of that, and I said, please, please, please tell me you're not going to ask me to start a church, too, on top of that. So he didn't say anything more. That was it. It was silence. Uh, I just can't see myself being that. But year after year, not month after month or week after week, it was that. But it was year after year, five to seven years later, God kept putting an image on the inside of me. And he kept putting this image on the inside of me. Because I was rebuttaling it with thoughts like, God, are you serious speaking in front of people? That's not my desire to be up in front and, ever, and see, you know, speaking to a bunch of people. I, I just can't see myself. You remember when I was in Rochester years ago when I used to live in Minnesota? And when I was going and I had a speech class and I couldn't even remember my speech? And now you're asking me to speak in front of people? And I remember just this image that he kept putting on the inside of me. And eventually it started to produce something on the inside of me. And I could begin to see something and I could see myself ministering to not just tens, but tens of tens and hundreds of hundreds and thousands of thousands. And I could see myself beginning to minister to the world globally. And I could see myself not just being successful, but being significant. I could see myself as a global world changer. 
I could see myself as someone who could make a significant difference. That with Christ in me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I could see myself not just touching the state of Minnesota, not just touching the United States, but I could see myself touching the world for Jesus Christ. And something went off on the inside of me. And by the time we got up to Minnesota and we started this church, I was ready to go. And today, that vision and that dream is coming to fruition. Day after day, week after week, year after year, we are seeing God's given dream in my heart being produced in the lives of all of us around here. And together, we make a difference. Teamwork makes the dream work. And today, right now, we are already reaching the entire world for Jesus Christ. Right here in the city of Rochester, Minnesota. Because I got a vision that the church should not be confined to four walls. We should be live streaming. We should be televising. We should be all over the world because the church should be going to every part of the world. Raising up generations of people. Reaching disciples and training them to be followers of Jesus Christ. And that means we can't say just in Rochester, we've got to reach you world. And here we come. Amen. You know, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word transformed means metamorpho. Metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And all of you know that caterpillars metamorphose into butterflies, right? Paul says, in other words, if you get rid of that negative thinking... That pessimistic thinking, if you get rid of that critical thinking, if you get rid of that I can't do it attitude, and you begin to put on the mind of Christ, the word of God, and you begin to put this on the inside of you, you begin to put God's image on the inside of you, then you will be transformed into something amazing. That's what God says, is if you will take what I am saying about you rather than listening to the whole world and all their opinions about you, And if you will take time to hear what God is saying about you, then you will be transformed and you'll let go of all those wormy thoughts. Because that little butterfly, before it becomes a butterfly, is just a plain old looking worm, isn't it? And sometimes we've got to break out of those those cocoons and we've got to fight out of that cocoon because it's trying to hold us back to being that simple little worm that crawls around in dust. And God's saying, I've got more for you on the inside of you. Now break out of your cocoon and come on, spread your wings and come fly with me. God's saying it's time for a transformation, church. It's time to put the image that I'm saying about you and get rid of the stinking thinking from the neck up. Get a check up and say, God, it's time to put you on the inside of me because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's time to let his image of you begin to reign and rule on the inside of you that you are a victor and not a victim. That you are reigning, to reign in this life as kings, as Romans says in chapter 5. That you are to be a world changer, a chosen generation, a royal priest, and a holy nation. God has called you to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ here in this world. You may be in this world, but you're not not of this world. The government that we are of is the government of the kingdom of God. So when his economy is not going to be tainted by this world's economy, even though this world's economy may go down, God's economy stays going up. So God's best days are ahead of you, not behind you when you follow him. 
And no matter what you're going through in life right now, God can bring you out better off than you were before. But you got to make sure that you're taking time to put the image that God says about you on the inside of you. It's time to stop letting the negative thoughts and everybody else's opinion about you, to stop letting it rain in your life. Stop letting those negative thoughts be king over your future and start letting God's word be king and leader over your future. It reminds me of a man who fell into a pit. There's a few people that came along to share their opinions about this man. The Pharisee said, you deserve to be in that pit. The Catholic said, you need to suffer a while. You're in that pit. The Baptist said, if you'd been saved, you wouldn't have fallen into the pit. The charismatic said, just confess, I'm not in the pit. The mathematician said, let me calculate how you fell into the pit. The IRS agent said, have you paid taxes on that pit? The optimist said, things could be worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. People are freely willing to give you their opinions. But the only opinion that really matters is what Jesus Christ says about you. And you're his, and he says, you're my masterpiece. If everyone, if you listen to everyone's opinion and made everyone happy, guess who's going to be unhappy? You. It reminds me of this grandfather and his son. He decided he was going to let his son ride on a donkey all the way into town one day. So his grandson's riding on the donkey, and he comes upon some people, and the grandfather hears these people walk past him and say, man, look at that selfish little boy making that grandfather, that elderly man, walk. And so the grandfather heard this, and he quickly, you know, pulled the boy off of the donkey and put himself on the donkey. And so they're riding a little bit further, and all of a sudden he sees and hears another group pass by. Look at that selfish man making that little boy walk. So he quickly grabbed the little boy, put the boy on the donkey, and they're riding together, and they pass by another group of people, and he hears them say, man, look at that man and that little boy putting all that unnecessary weight on that poor little donkey. By the time that donkey and that elderly man and that little boy got into town, they were carrying the donkey. (laughs) If you listen to everybody else's opinion about your life, you're going to be unhappy. You've got to break free from the cocoons in life. You've got to stop letting the negative thoughts hold you back from your God-given destiny because God loves you and he says your life really does matter. It's important. There's a 20-year-old friend that... uh, uh, well, a friend of mine met a 20-year-old boy one day, and he just was always hanging his head, looking down at the ground. He didn't ever make eye contact with them. And uh, he just looked very, like, hurt. And so finally one day, this friend of mine found out what happened. This 20-year-old man now shared with him that his mom and dad had always wanted a baby girl, and they always expressed that to him. So he, fell up, he, he grew up feeling very rejected and very insecure that his mom and dad really didn't want him. And this friend began to share with him something like what I'm sharing with you today. Listen, your mom and dad may have wanted a baby girl, but God wanted a baby boy. You may have come through your mom, but you came from God Almighty. Your life matters. And when this 20-year-old guy began to hear this, that God created him, God sent him to this world that God wanted him. He lit up on the inside. For the first time, he began to see that 20-year-old guy begin to smile on a regular, consistent basis. Because what's going on in the inside of us, if we feel rejected, if we feel inferior, if we feel like there's nobody out there that really cares about me or my life doesn't really matter, that's where we've got to stop thinking 
like that and put on what God's thoughts are about us. Psalm 27, verse 10 in the Amplified says, you know, if your father, your mother, if they forsake you kind of thing, God will adopt you. In other words, if the world doesn't want you, God says, I want you. If everybody else says, you're a loser, God says, you're a winner. Come on, come sit with me. Because when you hang around with the creator of the universe who's extremely successful, I'm telling you, he is extremely successful. He knew how to create the Milky Way. He knew how to co the color everything, the solar system. And he knew how to throw the stars in display and call them by name. And they sing. The Bible says that they actually sing to the Lord. UCLA has proven that the stars, there's sound coming from the stars. Well, it's been in the Bible for thousands of years. It's because they sing to the Lord. He calls them by name. He's got a purpose. He's got a value for them. And if he's got a purpose and he's got a value for those stars out there, how much more will you land with the stars if you aim for the sun, the son of God? Because God in his eyes says, you're my history maker. You're my world changer. Because what I see in my son, I see in you. You are perfected in Christ Jesus. I'll close with this story. A friend was sharing with us one time that he received a watch. Someone came up to him and just thanked him for the difference that he had made in his life. And he handed him a watch, and it was kind of a fun, sporty-looking watch. And he didn't think much about it. He thanked him profusely. He was like, thank you so much. That's so, you know, that really touches my heart. I appreciate your kindness towards me. And he went and put his watch in the desk for the weekend. Well, a few days later, he was at his desk, and he opened up his drawer, and he saw his watch there again. And he thought, man, that is a kind of a cool-looking watch. That's a neat, sporty-looking watch. And he pulled it out, and he started looking at it, examining it a little bit closer, and he saw a name on it. And he thought, well, I don't recognize that name. I'm just going to Google it and see what that name, you know, what that, you know, a little bit more about that name. When he pulled it up, he almost fell off his chair. That watch was worth over $10,000. He had no idea. Now, he saw some knockoffs that were worth a fraction of the cost. But because of who the manufacturer was of that watch, it was worth over $10,000. What am I saying to you right now? Is that you're not a knockoff. The manufacturer, the reason why you are so valuable is because you got the fingerprints of God Almighty on your life. And he has created you in his image. And you are his masterpiece. If you receive this, would you say amen? So you close your eyes, please. Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. Thank you for helping us to hear your word. Despite what we've heard in the world, despite what other people have said about us, Lord, all that really matters right now is what you've said about us. Help us to be children who receive freely all that you've spoken about us. Help us to know you, and as we know you, it's a sign that we love you. It's not good enough to know about you, Father. What we want more than anything in this world is to be with you, to be a friend of God, to know you personally. Thank you for taking our lives taking someone like myself and changing me into the person you've created me to be. I know I couldn't be here today if it was not for you. And I know the rest of us can say the same thing. We would not be here if it was not for you, Jesus. And we just want to say thank you this Christmas season, how truly grateful we are for your life. Because of your life, our life truly does matter. In Jesus' name. Let me take a moment longer. We never like to close our services without giving you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment longer. 
If you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ into your life, let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but deep down in your heart, you know you're not following him. You're not living the way that you could be or should be. And today you want to get back on course with Jesus Christ. You want to know him personally. You want to get back living for him. The Bible brings you great news this time of the year and all throughout the year. It's Christmas year-round for Christians. God says, if you will call on his name, he will save you from your sins. So no matter what you've done right or wrong, today your life really matters. And all that you have to do on your behalf today, initially, is just simply call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will call on his name, he will save you from all of your sins. So I asked, is that you, my friend? Is that you, my sister? Do you need to accept Jesus Christ? Do you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus? Today is a great opportunity to do that. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward today. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. But if you're saying, Pastor, I would really love it if you'd pray for me. I wanna accept Christ or I wanna recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium, those that are watching online today, right now, if that's you, slip up your hands all over this room, acknowledging I wanna accept Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, brothers, sisters, thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Anyone else, you wanna accept Jesus Christ or recommit your life to the Lord Jesus. It's not too late. Thank you so much for your hands. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Just a moment longer. I know there's somebody else. God's waiting on you. It's not too late. You can call on his name. God's gonna save you from your sins. He wants to set you free. It's time to break out of that cocoon in life. It's time to break free and know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Just a moment longer, anyone else? Okay, excellent. Let's do this. Let's take a moment. Let's put a hand on your heart, each and every one of us. Take a moment, put your hand on your heart. I want you to pray a prayer. Follow me in this prayer. And I believe that as you call on the name of the Lord, God is going to save you from your sins. And the rest of us, the congregation, is going to join you today as we call on Jesus Christ with you. Let's pray together. Those joining us online, please pray with us. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Congratulations. We just want to take a moment to commend you.